Welcome everyone to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and we have a special guest, Bernie Neighbors. Yes. Anthony is still out exploring Texas, so we brought Bernie in to increase our level of analytics. That's right. It's going to be all numbers <laughs> all the time. That's all you're getting. Just straight facts. Facts. Big facts, Trey. Facts. facts. <laughs> We're doing a facts counter when Anthony's not here. Facts, facts, facts. facts. to prepare everybody for what's about to happen. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, we, we were just coming out of Texas. All of us got back yesterday. Um, you know, it was a great weekend, Corpus Christi, a beautiful venue right on the water and, um, over 65,000 in payout. So not a bad little weekend. We're going to dive into all the specifics of the event. We're going to get into a, a buy or sell at the end and, uh, just kind of get everyone's thoughts on how the weekend went, but how are you guys doing? Are you, are you here? Are you half here? Three quarters? Three quarters count? Okay, three quarters. It takes a little while. You're, you're, a little, <laughs> you're, you're probably a lot more tired than I am. Oh, my gosh. Have you gotten any sleep? I, I thought it would be better yesterday, like, once I got back, because I was like, okay, I have, you know, it's just a travel day, right? But travel day, yeah. you know, I was trying to work in between flights and then on the flight yeah. and and then, like this morning, I was like, okay, I woke up a little early and I was like, okay, I'm going to take today off. And then I looked at all my emails and I looked at all my things. I'm like, I guess I'm not taking today off. So, <laughs> so I'm just, I would imagine just today would be one of your busier days coming off a of national with all the, it, with all the questions and so on and so forth. Just uh, living the dream, guys. Living, living the dream. The dream. Well, I'm, I'm just glad we got Michelle out of that lobby for our uh, post-event uh, get-together. When everyone was trying to go and Michelle wouldn't let anybody go and was just like plying people with alcohol. I mean, it was, it was out of control. That's totally control. what everyone would predict of me is just mm -hmm. to make everyone take shots and not leave. That's I, I, I was cool. trying to leave. I don't know what the problem was. You're like, you're not doing it here. And I was like, I don't drink straight rum, but whatever. <laughs> All Michelle's fault. I went to bed early, ladies and gentlemen. Um, did not partake in too much of those festivities, Bernie. Uh, but anyways, let's let's get into it. I want to start with doubles uh, as our uh, first event to talk about from the kickoff battle in uh, our uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. So doubles champions were Logan Chamberlain and Justin Burton Jr., who beat Joe Neistead and Jeremy, Sh Jeremy Shermerhorn. Say and that Bernie, five I, times fast. I know, right? I know, Bernie, you said it to me kind of after, like you felt like, Joe Kay and Jeremy were playing a little loose. Um, I had mentioned that that was how they were playing all day. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't sure if it would really make sense to change the strategy, but curious to know if, if we thought that maybe played into how that event turned out. But overall, uh, Trey, we'll start with you on, on the doubles action from the kickoff battle. Yeah, I was thinking about it more and I just still can't believe Logan Chamberlain and Justin Burton Jr. just won doubles. Like I... I, I can't believe it. Like my, my thought process of like trying to step away from the event, it was like in the moment I was so infatuated in a way with what Justin Burton Jr. was doing. Like they weren't even, how many of us did power rankings and they, they would have been what? 25th. Maybe. Or, or something. Yeah. Somewhere I mean, in there. Yeah. Maybe some of us now. were stuck at, yeah, maybe some of us would have snuck him in there to the top 20. I was just like, I, I could not believe it. And then you add into the fact that 
They played Jeremy Shermerhorn and Joe Niestet in the finals. And again, I almost find myself going, what? Like, that was the finals? Like, even the final four, the only team that I would have said that makes sense would have been Ryan Wiedenfeld and, and Ryan Smith, right? I mean, I think for the most part, the heavy hitters with the addition of Justin Burton Jr. did what we expected in singles, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But doubles to me felt like, what the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> I mean, the past few seasons, it has shown time and time again that the doubles teams are the ones that dominate. No Jamie Graham, that guy. Philip Lopez, Mark Richards, not Final Four. Um, Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls, not Final Four. Um, you know, all the teams that dominated. Uh, Jacob Drozinski, Tony Smith, no. Um, right. Like, all these other teams that were in that 10 to 20 range really showed up this week. Um, and, and I was super impressed. I mean, for <clears> – <throat> Everybody's going to talk about Justin Burton Jr., and he was unbelievable. But I couldn't believe how poised Logan Chamberlain was. I was so impressed. For him to say, okay, my partner just came out here and did one of the most special things that's ever been done, sweeping the national as a rookie with no prior eyeballs on him whatsoever. Nobody was paying attention to Justin Burton Jr. outside of the very, very core cornhole community. Yes, there's going to be plenty of people watch this and say, oh, I knew it. I, I knew, knew it all the time. I was all about JBJ. Yeah, you're going to hear that as soon as this yeah, goes. We'll hear th- yeah, we'll hear that for, for an extended period of time. But the point of the matter is nobody expected him to sweep singles and doubles. I'm sorry. It just wasn't, wasn't part of it. And so for him, it was for Logan to see what Justin Burton did the day before and then go into doubles with him and be able to play through that pressure. How many times do we see the pressure of being a partner to someone like a Burton Jr., right? I was just so incredibly in awe of how Logan Chamberlain handled everything. And when it it mattered most, he delivered some big shots. And that says a lot about who he is and his mentality. And to see his growth from a national college cornhole championship to now – um, just, just, just unbelievable. And so I just, I couldn't be more impressed with Logan Chamberlain. Um, disappointed by Mac guy and Jamie Graham. I already mentioned them once Lopez and Richards and Birchfield and Rawls. They, I think they've both finished fifth or, or, or seven. So, I mean, it's, you can't ha- knock on, you know, fifth or anything like that. Sure. You can have expectations that they'll win, but for the most part, I thought it was good. Power and Ruben looked pretty good. They didn't win the entire thing, didn't make a Final Four, but I thought they were solid. Mm-hmm. I had a big question mark in previous months, but I said that they'd be ready coming in. Um, but, man, it was uh, it was a special day and and really impressed um, with, with, with the champs. They, they certainly well earned it. And uh, the only other comment maybe I'll make about Shermerhorn and Neistat, Jordan Power came up to me and said this, and he said, I'm kind of mad at them because they walked off the stage – after losing and their reaction was, yeah, you know what? We made it. It's, it's, you know, it, 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 we had a good run. And Jordan's like, no, you're supposed to be pissed off, right? You're supposed to be mad. You're supposed to be like that you didn't win. And um, I kind of saw that. It kind of felt to me as if they were playing loose all day, but when they got there, it was almost like, 
okay, we're going to give it our best shot, right? Um, I would have loved to see a little bit more fire from them. And maybe, in fairness, they just had such a poor start that that kind of prevented them from really ever getting into it and building that momentum that way. Um, but aside from their literal one game, I couldn't believe how good both of them played. Uh, Joe Neistat was the Joe Neistat that Anthony wanted last season. I'm so mad that Anthony, yeah. you know, couldn't uh, – maybe Bernie can take over um, – uh, uh, Anthony's admiration because we can't go a show without admiration for Joe Neistat. So, so uh, either Bernie and I got to fill that in. But overall, incredible weekend. Doubles, uh, really impressed by the teams that came through. Oh, last shout out would be uh, Dylan Turpin and Caleb Franklin. Yeah, stole it from um, me. Uh, then I'll let Bernie <laughs> talk about that one because he was he was calling most of their matches. But overall, it was pretty impressive. Absolutely, yeah, Bernie. Why don't you fill us in on on the rest of that there? Well, since we segued into it, Dylan Turpin, his airmail game, because we had, you know, I was kind of stuck on bracket, uh, you know, on court one, bracket A, or whatever bracket we had in doubles all day. So I didn't really get a chance to kind of get out and see everyone else. But in the beginning of the day, early in that, early in the winner's bracket, they took on Matt Guy and Jamie Graham, and Dylan Turpin was chirping at them actively, and it worked. They can say it didn't. But it worked. I saw it in their faces. It was getting under their skin. And he was trying to get Caleb up. And everyone around me was saying, Caleb needs that. Caleb needs someone to kind of keep his you know, confidence level up. And Dylan was doing it. I mean, Dylan's telling Caleb Franklin that Matt Guy doesn't want it. Now, think about that. Think about who you're chirping at. Think about what you're saying. And it was working. But his airmail game, I thought he played out of his mind. However, when you're talking about Joe Neistat and Jeremy Schirmerhorn, they were playing loose. But there seemed to be an edge to it. I'm going to tell you the difference between what I saw on court one and then what I saw on the broadcast court. There seemed to be an edge to their looseness all day long on court one. They were loose. They were joking with each other. They were having a good time. But they were having a good time. It, it kind of reminded me of Adam Hissner and Cody Henderson in their heyday. They're, chir they're chirping at each other, but they're doing it in a way that they hope you're paying attention. Right? They want you to be a little bit taken back by what they're saying it worked against dylan turpin the worst game he had is when we got to that point they had to take them out like you could see it in dylan's face now he may not admit it but from where i was sitting it looked like it was truly getting under his skin like hey this is to go to a broadcast and you guys are just you know not taking this serious they're obviously taking it serious but they're doing it in a way that kind of can, can upset people at times and I, I think it worked in that match Oddly enough, I don't think it had the same bite when they got to the championship match. It was almost as if, yeah, we made it, you know, and they were being loose, but it wasn't. Either they realized early on that it just would have zero effect on who they were playing or they just couldn't turn the engine back on in a way. I don't, I don't know the best way to put it, but that that looseness it, it felt like it had an edge to me all day and then when it got there it just seemed like it was too loose it seemed like they needed to tighten the screws a little bit and weren't able to do it and it was a little too late even when they tried uh i mean what can you say about justin burton jr and logan chamberlain because i called that semifinal uh, semifinal match to get to the broadcast court and logan had a couple of moments where he could have disappeared there were a couple of moments in that match that that were shaky and he was able to kind of bear down. And it's always great when you have a partner that's literally like a Terminator. The thing about Justin Burton Jr. to me, all week, I mean, he's not a perfect human being. Did he miss a bag here and there? Yes, but not really. I mean, not really. I mean, he 
he was so devastatingly efficient. So it allowed Logan Chamberlain, if he made a mistake here or there, well, it was coming back so he could make up for it. He wasn't giving up points on the other end, so he always had that time to make up for it. I mean, and to your point, Trey, I mean, Logan Chamberlain was – you can't win doubles without two good players. You just can't do right. it. You, can, you right. can have one guy carry you a long way, but you can't win it. And so Logan, especially in the championship match, I thought threw his tail off going up against Joe Kay, right? I mean, that's who he's throwing against in that championship and more than held his own. So, you know, kudos to those guys. It was it was a fun day. I wish I could have seen a few more of the matches, but uh, it was a blast. Agreed. And, and Joe Kay did, was off. I mean, he was off. He was missing shots. He wasn't how he was playing earlier in the day. He wasn't how he played when he won Canada. I mean, he was off. Uh, why? I don't know. I mean, he's been it was his, birth it was his birthday. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It was it was yeah. his birthday. It was his it was his birthday. So maybe maybe they were enjoying themselves all day until they got to the night. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, and Ryan, I, I think the only thing maybe we missed a little bit of was Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld too. I was almost almost surprised kind of when they got to that that semifinal that they didn't you know they they were looking at times like they were going to be the ones to win, but. Um, you know, I was, I was impressed by them as well. You mentioned Adam Hissner, Cody Henderson. I thought they looked good at times too. I mean, they made a run. I think they finished third in their bracket or something along those lines. So, I mean, they made a deep push They're You know, they were, they, they're kind of getting back to that old self. I mean, you pair this with the finish at worlds. It's like, okay, yep. these guys feel like they're starting to put it, put it together a little bit more and coming back to where they were in the past. So that was, that was always Oh, I think one of the things, yeah, one of the things that I was most impressed with, I think last season we didn't have outside of Mark Richards, you didn't have this. Well, you had a few, but like it, it felt like the people that were just crushing opens didn't really fare as well with the Nationals. I mean, outside of Mark Richards, right? You had a Jimmy Humans, for example, which was an open warrior last season. We didn't really see him as much at the Nationals. I mean, he had some decent runs, but nothing quite like we saw in the opens. I thought some of the open folks played pretty well. I, th I thought Gavin Cano played really well this weekend, someone that's played pretty well at the Opens. I, I, I was excited to see that translate a little bit more. But it's, it's national number one to me. I think national number two is so important to who Justin Burton Jr. is because are we talking about a Mark Richards 2.0 or are we, you know, are we talking about a guy that was more like a Matthew Creek killer last year in Atlantic City? Right. Where like you have this or where was it? Or was it uh, Las Vegas where he played so well? It was, like you, it, was, it was Atlantic City. I think it was the first one. I think it's a similar kind of storyline where it was it's like, like, you know, you go through, you play. Board? Yeah, you play so well. And then we don't really hear from you second half of the season. So I'm hoping that we uh, we get used to that flow being on camera. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go into singles next. Our singles champ, as we mentioned, was Justin Burton Jr. as well, taking the sweep there. Uh, then Jake Gore, Devin Harbaugh, and Alan Rawls. Uh, and I would say, at least in my opinion, three out of those four were surprising. Uh, <laughs> Alan Rawls said in his interview, I'm not surprised I'm here. And, and he said, I might be the only one, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, Jake Gore obviously has the talent to get there as well, but what a what a feat for that 14-year-old. And then, of course, Devin Harbaugh is the one that we all, I mean, I chose him to win the whole thing. So, uh, Trey, what are your thoughts on singles? Yeah, singles. I'll uh, start with the champ. You know, JBJ, man, um, unbelievable. Uh, he was as close to perfect as you could be this weekend. I don't, I don't know how much closer you get. Um, slide shots didn't miss. Uh, blocking pretty dang good. Uh, rolls unconscious. 
He didn't throw him often. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that was so impressive with me when it came to his roll shot. A lot of times in order to hit that roll shot, you need to almost be in a rhythm of hitting it. And he would go an entire game sometimes when I was watching him towards the end of throwing it twice, and he hit it both times. And I'm like, dude, like you're supposed to be a little bit cold on that shot, and he wasn't. He was just he was just lined up, ready to go. Um, unbelievable, to be honest with you. Just, just purely unbelievable. If there was any gap in his game, it's like he probably hit 65% on his airmails. Oh, terrible. Like, I mean... <laughs> Average, basically, above average. Right. I mean, the only thing that I could think to do in the future is, like, you better short block him. Like, a short block kind of takes away his landing zone for a roll, and then it forces him into an airmail, and maybe that's how you you piece together enough points to win. But if he's in a mode like that, it's just unbelievable. I mean, the only person that beat him all day was Mark Richards, and that's after Burton had sat – for a good two hours waiting for that finals match. And he got beat pretty quickly. But then once he kind of got back into his rhythm in the game two of the double dip, it was, you know, it was like he was right back to where he was. Um, 14-year-old sensation, Jacob Gore, fun to watch, right? It was cool to see him have his breakout party. Um, I cannot believe those bags didn't fall on that last airmail in that semifinal against Devin Harbaugh. I mean, I think if that's a centimeter or two shorter, it's it, it takes them both, and he wins the game. Um, literally just hit the back edge. It just – wow. Um, uh, unbelievable. But it was great to see him make his broadcast appearance. Devin Harbaugh doing what we hoped, right? 66 out of 68 bags in the hole against Matt Guy in his bracket final get to get to the broadcast. Outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Um, I picked him to win as, two as well, Michelle. So I, I was just hoping he wouldn't have that layover, and he didn't. Um, Kyle Malone was similar, had a great run, um, made it all the way to bracket final. Kyle Malone, I believe, was double-dipped twice this weekend, both in singles and in doubles, which – is brutal, but it, he's there, right? And if Kyle Malone's not going to win it, I know he may say he's disappointed in how he finished, but to finish top five in both singles and doubles, that's a win in my book, right, if we're looking at the grand scheme of things. So right. Harbaugh and Malone were the two that we kind of had our eyes on coming into the event, and for them to finish where they where they did, I thought was was really quite impressive. People can say what they want about Matt Guy. I thought Matt Guy was really good in singles this weekend. I mean, when we when we look at the overall statistics and singles, he led the way. His tournament PPR. You want to take a guess? If you haven't already looked, uh, I'm, I'm going to say around a ten four, a ten five. Ten seven eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michelle's face says it all. What? That guy threw a ten seven eight across the entire tournament. His four bagger percentage. 61%. What did he and finish? He lost. He, he lost in the bracket final to Devin Harbaugh. It took 66 out of 68 bags. I mean, what does Matt Guy got to do? What does he have to do? I'm, I'm going to give you that stat what Matt threw in that game and didn't score a point. So go ahead. Finish. I mean, it's crazy what he <laughs> threw in that game. Go ahead. I mean, uh, 85% of the bags across the tournament. Matt Guy's opponent PPR for the tournament. 
10.54. He had to throw against a 10.54 all tournament long. That is stupid. That is just stupid. <laughs> That's not new, right? He 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 bring he when he plays, he everyone rises to the level. I mean, it's just what happens with Matt Guy. It's un it's unbelievable. Um, Cheyenne Bubenheim came in third in that bracket. What does Cheyenne have to do? I mean, I, I tell you, Cheyenne Bubenheim, she threw a 10-1-4, right? 10-1-4, that's good for third in your bracket or ninth overall. I mean, <laughs> just just unbelievable. We had how many people? We had 19 players throw above. No, sorry. 21 players throw a 10.0 or higher or higher across the entire tournament. Entire tournament. Okay. Just an unbelievable um, you know, display of, of bags in the hole. I know PPR is not everything. I'm not going to argue anybody with that. Um, it really was, you know, impressive to see. Um, but in the end, uh, so some really great runs by a lot of great players and singles. Um, Alan Rawls was, was that sneaky guy. And now that we really have to pay attention to, I mean, he's going to be the guy that we're going to struggle to put in our top 10 every time we have power rankings, but then he's just going to keep showing up because apparently that's just who he is. Right. Um, he can be our underdog this year that continues to get that underdog card played. Um, so obviously incredible, incredible to watch. Absolutely. Bernie, what are your thoughts on singles? I, I just got one more time that Harbaugh Matt guy match. Matt throws a 10-5-3 total out of 17 rounds, had 10-4 baggers, did not score a point. <laughs> a 10-5-4 and you don't score. 10-5-3 and you don't score a That's point. That's so disheartening. That's like you just like give up. I give up. And I give Matt Guy, hold on, I give Matt Guy a ton of credit because a lot of times people get really upset when they get when someone throws a game at him because it's what do you do when someone plays like that? There's nothing you really can do. Matt Guy took off his hat and literally tipped his cap to Devin after the match. Because you can't – and it's not – look, on the ones that weren't four-baggers that Matt threw, I mean, Devin had one of the best collects. It, actually, you know what? It's the best collect I've ever seen in, in person. If you look at the hole being here, let's say there was a level one block directly. In, there was a, his, he had one bag, level one, right in front of the hole. Maybe a level two-and-a-half, three that was a little off to the right. He picks that bag up. It rides the bag he throws into the other bag. He collects all three. Probably the greatest shot I've ever seen. I mean, it, it was it was unbelievable. But then, you know, on the court that I had, I had Jake. I mean, Jake Gore was unbelievable all day. And you know what I liked about it? We all know, you know, look, he calls himself Hollywood. We all know that there's a lot of action. There's a lot of emotion in that young man. I thought he was very in control. And I don't know if that maturation process is just like, hey, the last six months, there's something that's changed in the young man. I thought, look, he's still going to give you some noise. He's still going to give you some chatter, which I love. But I thought he was very in control of himself. Beating Alex Rawls in the bracket final that we had, if I'm not mistaken, I thought Alex was playing pretty well. I thought it would have been kind of crazy to have those two brothers in the semifinals. But Jacob was just too good. I had, All right. Had Jake Gore hit that airmail to win that match, how loud would you think it would have been in there? That place would have exploded. Exploded. And, and you know, look, I, we didn't get Devin Harbaugh in the semis or the finals playing the way he played on Friday. We just didn't. I thought he played extraordinarily well. I thought he gave us a great run. He put on a show at times. 
we didn't get the same guy. Yeah, I don't but, know if I don't know if you can be that same guy. You know well, what I mean? Like, you, yeah. I mean, that you was can if you have your own bags. I know, like, I know every pro can play with any bags, but there's a comfortability when you have your bags that you've been Look, winning all day with. I love Devin Harbaugh. I've got him number one in my power rankings. I think he's the best player in the world right now. But this isn't a new rule, and we stress a billion times: have two sets of bags at two colors you can play with. We stress it. He knows that. That's on him, and I know people are so upset about that, but it really is on Devin, and I love Devin, and I'll talk to De – I mean, Devin knows this, and it, and it puts him in a rough situation. It shows actually how good he really is because he started both those matches slow, and then once he kind of got comfortable, he was back to, back to being himself again. But, you know, you, you've got to have two colors. You just have to. You have to because it's the same bag. Just get them broken in. You have to. I was just going to say the same thing. Like he started slow in both games, but then in both games, he obviously finished really. I mean, the first one, he won the yeah. whole thing. And the second yeah. one, we thought he was going to come all the way back at one point. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. Two separate yeah. bags. He, Two, he, he had, yeah. like, I think had yeah. he been able to throw the first set of bags in the second game, he would have had momentum from those bags, but now he has to learn another set of bags, which we talked about when he's warming up. We're like, Devin, um, <laughs> You yeah. can't use those if JBJ wins. Which I'm surprised, which is why I was surprised he didn't just use the second set of bags to start off because he could have done exactly. that or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just it's crazy. Amazing. It's, a tough, it's a tough way. To, it's, it's tough that it hangs out there because I don't want it to put an asterisk over Justin Burton Jr.'s performance. You no. know what I mean? But, I no, mean, look, it won't. Yeah. 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 It could, because I don't, to that point, though, I don't think anyone beats Devin on Friday before we, before we get there. I don't think anyone beats him. I really don't. But that, I mean, these are things that you have to take care of. You're a professional. You understand this. This is not a rule that was put in three days before the tournament started. It's been around for literally a number of years. So you just, you, you, you got to know. You got to take gotta care know. of it. That's right. Yeah. I know we one, have one. Okay, one go quick, ahead, sorry. One quick, one quick story on, uh, on the Gore brother. You talked about like the maturation process as I vividly remember going to the Virginia beach open in late 2021. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but that was when Jake and Jack were playing Trevor Brooks and Berkeley pair and they started getting real mouthy. And that was at a point where, and they started going back and forth and, and, and ultimately, um, you know, I think they, they, they won, but they ended up, no, they ended up losing the game and there was like no shaking hands and they were very pouty and you know, acting like, 12 year olds 13 year olds right right and i i got into it with scotty the dad a little bit scotty gore and we went back and forth and i just remember sitting down with him and i said look your boys are special they're really really good okay but they're about if they want to become professional athletes they're going to have to learn that next level and that goes from everything because i think there was this mentality of like they're kind of little buttheads Let's let them be buttheads because that's who they are. Right. But what has been really impressive to me is to go from there from now. It's not only a change in the mentality of the kids themselves, but it's almost like it's been incredible to watch how like Scotty and Amy have molded them into kids that can have personality, but now know how to rein it a little bit. Right. Because now look at what Jack did at the World Championships last year, finishing fifth, and now what mm -hmm. Jake has done this year. And it's exactly what you said, Bernie. It's there. Hollywood's there, but it's 
a, it's just more focused and it's more contained. I think you use restrained or contained or whatever you use, but it just has a different feel to it. And I think that's exactly why that this, this, this pair of boys are, are, are destined to do some really special things is they've learned that next level of, of, of being able to control it. By the way, speaking of Amy Gore, Sick. She was absolutely sick watching oh, that yeah. match. I kept looking over. She she was just I, I felt so bad for her because dad's okay. Twin brother's okay. Obviously Jake's okay. She was losing her mind watching that match. It, As I felt would so I. Bad. As would I. As a mom, I will tell you that I would be exactly the same way. I completely could relate to that. All right, we had a lot of other events over the weekend. Senior singles, Damon Dennis wins over Jimmy McGuffin. In women's singles, Cheyenne Bubenheim double dips Rosie Streaker in two close battles. The pro blind draw, Moses Azueta and Jeremiah Hector take the win. In open junior singles, Braden Wilson wins over Eddie Wenker. And then we had the junior single qualifier where Vincent Frisch goes 5-1 and one and Carter Bennett goes 4-2. and two. The PDC men's singles qualifier, Mason Morgado goes five and one and gets frisch for his partner and Kevin Whitaker and Brent Smith also go five and one and get to partner with each other. And then in PDC women's Tanisha Lashley goes six and zero oh and gets Carter Bennett for her doubles partners. I felt like, uh, you know, the PDC uh, players that went into the pro matches, obviously they always are in a bad position starting off playing the, the, the most difficult seeds, but I feel like they did fairly well. Mason Morgado and Vincent Frisch, especially, um, but, um, you know, Cheyenne Bubenheim doing what Cheyenne does. And Damon Dennis, Jimmy McCuffin in the finals, not surprising at all. Shocking. But, right? <laughs> what are your thoughts on any of the other events we had over the weekend? Yeah, maybe on women's, touch on that a little bit. Um, you know, Cheyenne gets the win. It feels pretty vanilla, but it wasn't vanilla for her to get there. I think we are continuing to see how good Rosie Streaker can be. And we didn't really talk about it, but – now's a good time to talk about out shout out Rosie and Sam Finley. They finished third in their mm. bracket. They are now a top 10 team in the world. I'm going to have to go back and do some digging. I wanted to beforehand, but they may be the highest ranked all female team in the history of the pro division. I have to go back and verify that fact, but they have absolutely started their season in the complete opposite way than way yes. they started it last season. Last season, they were not great out of the gate, and they suffered through it all year long. Complete change of fortune this year. So Rosie beats uh, Cheyenne in women's singles one time. Cheyenne comes back and does do the double dip. But Rosie showing that she is throwing at a really high level um, and, and really impressive. So, so Rosie um, stands out to me. Uh, first time I got to lay my eyes on Braden Wilson, a young kid, uh, amateur junior that certainly has got some potential. Um, really fun to watch. Really strong performance there. On the PDC side, yeah, Vincent Frisch kind of, in a way, lived up to what we were expecting. Uh, really strong player. Um, like you said, going to have a tough time based on seeding. Um, but the, uh, the the good news is, is I really think that um, – Frisch is someone that's going to have some staying power. Um, now, unfortunately, that PDC Juniors is absolutely loaded. So that's going to be something to, to watch throughout the year um, and see who qualifies out of it. If there's only one added bonus, it's that Carter Bennett, turn, I believe, turns 18 before the next national. 
So he will go from the U18 PDC up to the men's PDC. So it alleviates a little bit of stress on that U18 PDC qualifier. But uh, it was exciting to watch Vincent Frisch for um, the first time. And uh, I, I, w- I was disappointed. I didn't see the double hat combo from Frisch, though. I was a little, uh, bit, a little bit disappointed there. So um, we're going to have to correct that from next time and be better. Step your game up. Step your game up. <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we talk about Cheyenne Bubenheim for a second? Do, all right. I'm going to, I'm asking you guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bernie wants to talk about Cheyenne Bubenheim. But, but, no, that, but, oddly enough, but oddly enough, not in a way that you think. Oh. I, I'm kind of blaming the other women. I, I am taking the other women to task. Rosie beats Cheyenne, but for some reason you get to the finals. No one can beat Cheyenne. Why is that? And I'll tell you one of the problems. I have spoken to a number of those ladies just randomly walking around. They think of her in a way that is not conducive to ever beating her. The way that they put her on a pedestal with the way that she plays, you're not going to beat her then. You're just not going to do it. If If you literally are heartbroken that you see her in a bracket that you have to play her, you're never beating her, ever. So I'm taking them to task. It's not as if the talent's not there. I mean, Rosie proved it. I mean, you can beat her. And when Rosie's on and Rosie's got, you know, kind of dialed in on her landing point, she can beat her. But, I don't, you know, Rosie, oddly enough, isn't one of the girls that will sit there and say, you know, I just can't beat Cheyenne. I mean, when I see Cheyenne, I, I know I can get to that point, but I can't beat. I've literally heard from a very high-ranked female player that she thinks she cannot beat Cheyenne. That won't well, work. Not, I mean, you're not going to. You're never going to do it. So, I mean, at some point. Someone has to take it upon themselves and say, you know, Cheyenne's not a superwoman. You know, she's not playing with some extraordinary gifts. I mean, she, she is pretty gifted, actually. But she's not, like, she's not a super she's person. Yeah, she's, she's not unbeatable. Yeah, she's a human being. <laughs> and, she's, you know, it's not like she's got this five-tool game. I mean, if we're being honest, it's not like playing Justin Burton Jr., who can beat you with four or five different shots. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's chances to beat her. So you have to – I'm putting the other women to task on that. At some point, somebody has to take upon themselves and dethrone her, even if it's just one national. Someone has to do that in that group of players. I think it's going to be Rosie. Well, before the national, Rosie had got her, like, I think five out of the last six times they've played together. And the one time being the shootout finals where, you know, Rosie said, I think she said about the boards playing a little slower or faster. I can't remember which way they went. Um, But Rosie definitely knows she can beat her. Yeah. And let me let me say one more thing, quick thing about PDC. Kevin Whitaker, I thought played great with the Carolina Coasters on TV. I mean, think about it. Not only are you playing in this PDC tournament and you're trying to get better, well, now you're on a, essentially a pro tournament on national television that most of those other kids and guys and girls will never get a chance to. Well, I shouldn't say never, but will rarely get a chance to do. That's what's so great about teams, obviously. And he played. He I thought he outplayed Mike Harvey, his playing partner in that match. So I, I, kudos to him. So I, I thought that was really cool to be able to step up on that stage and, and, and perform at that level. Absolutely. Whitaker was, Whitaker, people in, in North Carolina and South Carolina have been saying Kevin Whitaker was the real deal. I mean, we saw Chad Hunt. That's another play, that a rookie that made a really deep run in singles. Yep. The North Carolina State Tournament, um, or is it South Carolina? One of the two. I'm going to screw that up. Sorry. But the conference – No, it was a conference qualifier. The North and South Carolina conference pro qualifier. The finals, win you're a pro, lose you're not, was Chad Hunt versus Kevin Whitaker. And Chad Hunt beat Kevin Whitaker like 21-20. 
It was like wow. a one-point game. And so that's why Kevin ended up in PDC and yeah. Chad Hunt ended up a pro. So both of those guys, it was great to see them in their own their own different ways this weekend uh, come through and, and get some some big wins. How about JBJ almost taking all three, the pro, the pro blind draw, singles, and doubles? <laughs> he was close. He's very close. Yeah, what, second in his bracket or third in his bracket? Something like that, or maybe third in his bracket, I think. But, yeah, I mean, to finish – First, first, fifth, a nice $14,000 payday. Not too shabby for Not a 20-year-old. Yeah, I'm ruining that money so fast when I was 20. That would have been destroyed if, for me as a 20-year-old. Me and my boys would have taken some sort of trip that, that following weekend for sure. <laughs> All right, lastly, we're going to get into the team's events. The Ohio Aviators played the Texas Bully Baggers and uh, – I was going to say surprisingly took the win. I'm uh, surprising to me at least. Uh, I bet I guess that's just because we were in Texas. And then the Missouri Mays take on the Carolina Coasters. The Coasters do get the win there. Uh, Trey, thoughts on the team's event? Yeah, teams. You know, across both the broadcast and and you know uh, and not. So the Coasters. You know, a big team that I was excited for. They're um, you know they obviously played. Uh, when they were on TV and on the live stream, they played like the team that I thought they would, right? Yes. We watched them on the live stream. They destroyed the Kentucky Colonels, who I had, you know, you know, I had, as one of my best teams. And they just get destroyed. And then we watch them on the broadcast, and they're, again, they destroyed the maze 6-1. to one. And then I look at what they did off the court. I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah. They went 0-2 they went outside the lights. And it's like – is this a team that's just made for the big stage? It's like the team that, you know, goes, you know, 13 and one in the regular season in the second half, you know, the last few games that don't really matter. They're just not playing well. And then all of a sudden they finish just, you know, good yeah. and limp their way against okay competition. But then when it comes down to the big stage, they, they come up and step up. I mean, Jamie Graham and James Baldwin were respectively fourth to last and fifth to last on their team in PPR. Like what? I don't. I, whatever. They got a good good win. They're sitting at two and two. Um, was impressed, but I was shocked to see how well that the Maze did. Aside from that broadcast court going three and one outside the broadcast court, they get a loss on TV to make it three and two. So that's certainly um, well, they're the, all right. So they're the, they're the flip side of that, Trey. They lost on, right. the broad, on their broadcast and they won out on the floor. Because I had Opposite. their first match against the Burn, and they actually had a three-two lead, lost that one four-three. But yeah, so that's that, that's interesting. Yeah, so they're there, but shock. I'm not shocked to see the Spinners three and zero. That's the best record right now across any division, any region. Um, spinners are three and zero. That you know a really strong core of players that were on the franchise players, and then you add in some good draft picks. Not too, not super shocked there. The Spinners. Um, uh, I mean, sorry, the Timber were a little yes. bit surprising to me. Um, I kind of had them middle of the road, maybe even just below average as far as their entire grade goes. They're also 3-0, and kind of a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, shocked that the Colonels went 1-3. and I thought they were going to be a top-tier team. The Vegas High Rollers go 0-4. Mm. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? 0-4 for the High Rollers? I, didn't, I look at that team roster, and I'm just wondering – how that all happened. Uh, Michelle is ecstatic that the Cali Slingers are three and one. Yeah, um, you know, let's go. <laughs> so, but, and I don't think a lot of us <laughs> pegged that one. 
Um, but Tony Smith felt a little slighted that we didn't like his team very much. So he's feeling a little bit better about it now. But overall, um, just big picture, I thought the team's events and the broadcast brought incredible energy, unmatched energy in comparison to the, any of the other events that we've done in the past. Um, I now want to do team's events for every single broadcast for the rest of the year. I don't think the pros would like that, but um, it, it was just, it was so much fun. I mean, yeah. in what other sense are you going to see Trevor Brooks running up to Kevin Whitaker and picking him up and swinging him around? Like right. that, that to <laughs> me was just an iconic moment. The challenge with teams, and I agree, I loved it. And I think teams is potentially the future of cornhole, but the challenge is the games aren't as good, right? You, the, the single and doubles games, uh, you know, the kickoff battle nationals, like, that those games are insanely good. And then the team's games aren't that kind of good. You know, it's like a different kind of cornhole. It is. I, I, think I mean, it, it's different. Yeah. It's, I like it in that. I, I think it has so much room to grow and it's already getting better. I think we're still waiting on a certain segment of the pro division to buy in 100%. Not sure. going to call any names, not going to say any teams. All right. For example, I was on court one. Court two behind me had the, the uh, Cali Slingers. They were all in. I can't remember who they were playing. Yeah. They were the Vegas High Rollers. 100% all in. No one was walking around when they weren't playing. Everyone was there. Everyone had bought in. They were a team. I think it says, speaks volumes about them. And that's probably why they're greater than the sum of their parts because they all bought in as a team. I think you ha when, when you look at certain teams that are struggling, it's really easy, I think, for some of these people to say, ah, you know, I'm not from there. I don't really care. That's unfortunate. And I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I hate that. I, I can't stand that you're a professional, not just a name. I mean, you, you, you should take pride in what you're doing at all times and find a way, find a way to get brought in. And I'll say one thing about the way some of the captains handled where they put team, like it can't be stressed enough. That to win in a team's event, your captain has to take it serious, and they have to really kind of manipulate their seven matches. You can't just yeah. you, you can't make it top heavy because if you lose a couple of those, you're going to lose the whole match. I mean, you have to be somewhat strategic in how you put your lineup together, or or you can take a beat down. Yeah, and I think Last that the energy the energy of those captains is going to dictate how the rest. Like, if I'm the leader of that team, I'm saying to those people who are not, you better get it together or I'm going to drop you like get because your team and our team energy matters. So get, get it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My last quick three thoughts. One of them was going to be, I'm interested to see what trades drops yes. ads come out of this Absolutely. weekend. Right. Cause I think there's going to be a ton of movement after this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, number two, one thing I got a chuckle out of, I don't know if you guys both know this, but the Pennsylvania ringers have both Devin Harbaugh and Justin Burton jr. On their team. And I watched them play together and lose. <laughs> oh, wow. that makes any sense. Wow. They played against Chris Day, Chris Day and uh, Chris Day and Jay Rubin against the Michigan Marauders, and they lost. Right, how how about just, speaking of Chris Day? Before we get you, you know me in tangents, pretty good weekend for that guy. Unbelievable for a PDC uh, PDC player to. Uh, no, he just got promoted. That's right. He just got promoted playing with Kevin Smith Jr. And that's going to feel great for Kevin Smith Jr. He's got a partner the whole season long. He's got Nate Boyer. Nate Boyer says, hey, Josh Holland, see you later, Kevin. And then Kevin <laughs> plays with Chris Day, and they end up finishing better. 
I think that was that was that was awesome to see Kevin Smith and Chris Day pair up like that. So, but I just got a chuckle out of that. And the last thing I want to know when it comes to teams, remember that trade with the Michigan Marauders where they went and got Jeremy Shermerhorn and they gave up Gabe Dolan and Carson Getty. Yes. The Aviators won four to three on the on the broadcast, and Gabe Dolan and Carson Getty played together on the broadcast and were one of the clinching games to get that overall victory. I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of baby bit of remorse from the Michigan Marauders for making that trade. Obviously, they won't say that just because Jeremy's a hometown guy. Where are you from? I know he played well in doubles, but at the same time, they gave up a lot of value in order to make that trade happen. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Oh. The B word. <laughs> All right. We got buy or sell coming up next here. I'm going to read you guys some lines and you let me know if you buy or sell. First one, Jake Gore won't be the only under 18 player to make a broadcast this year. Buy or sell? Um, I'll buy it. Um, the, the, wording of that, the, the wording of that question kind of kind of freaks me out. If I buy double, it, what double am I negative. Yeah, am I, yeah. If I buy if buying it, what am I saying? Buying it says, buying it he says, there will be another. There will okay. be another. Yeah, there one. will be another okay. U eighteen. There, um, so I'll buy it. Um, like I said, we're talking about a few points away from Ryan Wiedenfeld from making that broadcast in doubles. So, it, you get my odds with Alex Hicks mm-hmm. singles or doubles with Ryan Windsor, Fisher Hamilton in singles or doubles with Gavin Cano, who mm-hmm. also made a really strong run in doubles. Yep. Um, not to mention Jack Gore. His brother, which they could make it in doubles or Jack could make it in singles. So I, I would um, – Bella's also in there. Caleb Batson, yep. uh, I mean, him, he and Edgar in your sleep. I mean, the, the U18 poll is pretty loaded, even though there's only eight of them. I'm going to buy it. All right. Bernie, buy yeah. it. The funny thing is I actually want to sell it, but I can't. I mean, that I, I want to sell it because it, I just – I want to argue with Trey on this, but I can't. His reasoning yeah. is, is too legit. I mean, there, there are – so many uber talented kids under the age of 18. They're just someone sneaking in, you know, and the thing is, if this was just a singles question, I think yeah. I would sell it. If it, but when you bring in doubles, I have to buy it. Okay. Team captains will replace at least 10 players before the next national. 10's a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm going to sell it um, just because, I think 10 is a high number. I definitely do think there's going to be some transactions. I think there may even be a trade or two. Um, so interested to see that, but I think it's a little too much. Bernie? 10 over till the next national? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's too high. i got to sell on that. I mean, I just – you think about if you get six. Six would seem like an extraordinarily high number yeah. to me. You know, so 10 just seems way far out. I've, I've got to sell that. JBJ will be this year's Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I'm going to get a little bit of half credit because I went out on a limb back in August or September and said that Logan Chamberlain would be the rookie of the year. And right now he's the number one doubles player in the world, guys. So I don't, I, I don't want to hear it. But um, there you go. The problem is the problem is he can't make up any ground with JB, JBJ now. So um, I'm gonna, I, I am actually gonna buy it. I think for someone to win a singles national and a doubles national is a huge resume builder. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be just too tough to match. I mean, if Ryan Wheatenfeld or Ryan um, or Fisher Hamilton is going to come in and 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 dethrone him, they got to do at least that in my mind. So that's going to be tough to do. And you got to hope he doesn't continue to win. So I will, I will buy. Bernie, you know, you know, it, it's so, it's so difficult because you, we 
Hyperbole is so easy. You can get caught up in recency bias, right? Obviously, right now, Justin Burton Jr., best rookie, is not even close. I mean, it's close, but it's not even really close. What, what, what if things are different in July? You know, like we, we, we have no idea how to say that. I guess that's why we have the question. I mean, you got to buy. I mean, he's going to be the rookie of the year. I mean, I, I, I don't. And I mean, we, like, like you're saying with, with some of the other players, like a Wiedenfeld or a Fisher Hamilton, you know, could they come along? And what's to say Justin Burton Jr. doesn't get another win in there somewhere, right? And that become that that hill becomes even higher to climb. So, I, you know, you, you got to stick with him being the favorite. And I would say a prohibitive favorite at this point. Yeah. All right, time for hot takes. Trey, you got one? Yep, I got my hot take. My hot take, and I don't know if Bernie's going to have one. Are we preparing to get a hot take? Either way. Um, Hot take take is, based on what I saw this weekend in doubles, we will not have a single repeat winner at a national this year through the nationals and worlds. I think there's just too much parity right now, too many great teams. Someone unique is going to win each time. All right. Bernie, you got one ready? I do. Even though we saw what Devin Harbaugh could do, even though we saw how great Justin Burton Jr. is, I think Mark Richards, and I know this isn't really a hot take in this necessarily, I thought, I think Mark Richards comes very close to doing what he did last year in total number of, mm-hmm. of uh, national wins and world championship. I, he was so remarkably close to being on another broadcast and, ma- and making big things happen. I think Mark Richards re- retains his spot as the number one player in the world going forward. And I think Vincent Frisch coming out of the PDC will win a bracket this some point this this season. In an open or a national? National. National. Wow. Yeah. That is a that, that takes on the sun, man. Mm-hmm. That that one that one is hot. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. That's all we got time for today. Uh, we will see you guys all next time.